Hey besties, welcome back to another episode of Sunshine and Rainbows podcast, a space where we chat about moments when life isn't. I'm your host, Amanda, and I am so passionate about peeling back that veil our society has constructed around perfectionism online. When starting my own personal platform on Instagram, I realized that I was getting caught in the inauthentic hustle, and it was severely affecting my mental health, mostly because I was comparing my behind the scenes to someone else's highlight reel. Throughout my life, I've come to own that my setbacks were actually just set ups for something better. I found a way to step into my true potential, and the goal is to amplify other voices who have done the same so that someone out there feels seen and that much less alone. I cannot wait to get into this important conversation with our next guest. So let's get started. And we're back with our 41st episode of Sunshine and Rainbows podcast. Guys, thank you so much for being here. I am so humbled by each and every single person who listens to this podcast. If you can't tell by now, I am suffering from a head cold. No, it is not Miss Rona, but I'm taking some time for myself to rest and recover. That is the beauty of recording episodes ahead of time. I'm so thankful for this next guest. While her and I never had the opportunity to work together, I actually filled her position once she left the zoo and heard nothing but incredible things about her. I'm so excited for you guys to meet Alicia. Now, Alicia has an incredible story of learning about her diagnosis with a very rare syndrome and shares so much of her heart and just information and knowledge behind it and the obstacles that she overcame along the way. She went through obstacles regarding healthcare, her diagnosis, her mental health, and everything moving forward. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this conversation because I personally learned so much and cannot wait to dive into even more research. We're going to talk about a lot of things in this conversation, and if you're curious about some of the syndromes or disorders that we're mentioning, I do want to remind you that everything is linked down in the episode notes. So in order to find that, you can click on the description of the episode, click see more, and then you'll see links to websites and extra information about everything we talk about. As a reminder, I do this for every single episode. So if you are curious about something you hear in one of these episodes, again, you can find that in the episode notes. All right. I'm so excited to introduce you to Alicia. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Sunshine Rainbows podcast. I am your host, Amanda, and I am super excited to get into this conversation today. We have a very special guest with us, and I'm so excited for you guys to get to meet her, hear her, see her if you're watching on YouTube. Um, Welcome to the show, Alicia. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Amanda. Yes. So Alicia and I kind of crossed like ships in the night at a previous job that we worked. She had just recently left, and I'm pretty sure I started in her position, but While working there, all I heard about was how incredibly positive and kind and sweet and too good to be true, nice human she was. And I was always so intrigued about meeting her. And we finally got to meet at a coworker's birthday dinner. And 
from that moment on, I just have loved following her on social media and hearing her journey and her story, which is a doozy. It's it's a big journey, a big story. And so Alicia, I would love to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself and kind of tell us why we're here today. Yeah, so um, my name's Alicia. (laughs) Um, Thanks for having me again, Amanda. So a little bit about me. I live in Tampa, Florida um, with my husband, my two dogs, my cat, and I'm a huge animal lover. I've always loved animals, just like Amanda. (laughs) Um, I was a zookeeper and a marine mammal trainer and also a veterinary technician. I did all of that for about 10 years, and I traveled all around from Boston to the Florida Keys, Miami, Colorado, back to Tampa, Um, and I've always been really, really healthy and active, so I rode horses in college, Um, I was a gymnast, I ice skated, I was really the person that would like wake up at 5 a.m. to go to the gym and go to work then go back to the gym. Like I was always so active um, and really focused on like my nutrition and health. So um, last year I was diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and it's been a whole health journey to not only get a diagnosis, but finding treatments, dealing with chronic pain um, and all of that (laughs) together. Yes. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing already that. I know, when again, when I had started at the zoo, you had just left. And again, everyone talked about how positive and amazing you were and how sad that you had to leave. Because from my understanding, that was the start of you being clued in that something was not right about your body. And obviously, everyone knows the physical demands of being in the marine mammal field, and especially the zookeeper field really does take a toll on any perfectly healthy person. I know tons of zookeepers who have developed injuries by doing that strenuous manual labor. At what point did this whole health journey really start for you? Yeah, so I'll say I, I always had issues like my whole life, but really minor issues. So I'm extremely hypermobile, which just is a fancy word for being flexible. And I don't mean just like I can do a split. Like I can contort my body in really interesting ways. I double jointed in like every joint in my body. My spine can bend backwards and touch itself. And I've always just thought that was really a unique part of me. Like everyone would be like, that's so cool. Show us your tricks, stuff like that. Um, I never thought that was actually a sign of a health issue. Mm. I even showed my doctors as a kid. My mom would be like, is this normal? And they'd be like, yeah, she's just a hypermobile kid. Um, So no one ever mentioned like this could be something more serious. And then in my early 20s, I started developing, like I said, minor issues. I had chronic constipation. Mm. Um, Yeah, not fun sciatic nerve pain occasionally in my back, um, a lot of fatigue, which at the time I was like, it's just part of the job. I'm really physical, I'm tired. But now looking back, I'm like, some of that fatigue was really abnormal. Like I would just never feel refreshed after sleeping. I had migraines and I also had a lot of skin sensitivities. 
but I just thought those were normal things for someone to deal with. So I never really went to a doctor for any of that. And then it wasn't until I joined the zoo at 2018 um, that I started developing serious issues and complications. So as you mentioned, it's an extremely physical job and I don't think anybody can really explain it unless they've lived it. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I started having issues like right away, probably my first like two weeks, I started having really bad hip pain. Mm. Um, so I saw a specialist um, and had MRIs done. And they said, nothing's wrong. Uh, you don't have any issues. So I just went right into physical therapy for my hip. And I started having knee issues too, all of a sudden. So they kind of, my physical therapist was treating like both issues at once. and um, it just started getting worse and worse. The pain was horrible. So my physical therapist actually discharged me and was like, I can't help you anymore. Go back to your doctor. Oh my God. My doctor was saying nothing was wrong. So it was kind of this battle. And then I kind of gave up on those issues for a little while. Um, and then I started developing more issues as time went on. Wow. I can't imagine how frustrating that was going to these health professionals and trying to advocate for yourself and your body and not getting answers and getting roundabout answers like, hey, go check with this doctor. Okay, but it's out of my scope. Go check with this doctor. Yeah, I just sound so frustrating. And in in those moments, did you feel like like there's actually a term of medical gaslighting where you feel like you're going crazy, you're making it up, they're telling you nothing's wrong, but you know your body best. Did you feel any of that? Oh yeah, I felt like I was gaslit every single time I went to the doctors, especially because I look physically fit and healthy, that doctors would actually be like, no, you're perfectly healthy, you're fine. I actually um, started developing more issues with my wrist pain, mm. neck, back pain. It was honestly like I had so many issues. I didn't even know how to explain to a doctor like what's happening with me. And I remember going to my primary one day and she told me um, that I could only come with two issues to talk about. Like she was kind of blocking me. And all I wanted was somebody to connect the dots, but she was failing to even do that and kept just referring me off to other doctors. Um, so from there, I kind of just started doing my own research and I'm like, I'm going to look for the best doctors who might be able to help me. And I'll never forget, I went to a neurologist um, and I, I started having brain fog really bad too, oh my cognitive goodness. issues. Um, nausea. I really felt like, like I was having issues with my brain almost. Um, and the neurologist, he said that um, he gave me a test to do. He said, I want you to remember these five words. It was like apple, orange, rainbow, dog, and cat. And then 10 minutes later, he asked me to um, tell him all those words over again, which of course I could do because I was thinking about it the whole time. And he said, you know, I don't think anything's wrong with you, but I'm going to refer you to a psychologist. Um, so, Which is great. Like, again, yeah. I, I make that, like, remark, but 
That's different, but okay. <laughs> That's different. Yes. I really wanted him to like, you know, order an MRI or look, do some diagnostics or tell me what issues might be causing my symptoms. So I never saw that doctor again, but I started going from doctor to doctor looking for help, but getting pushed aside over and over. And I think one of the biggest issues for my situation is that no doctors would look at the big picture. They were all so hyper-focused on my knee or mm -hmm. my neck or my elbow. And um, as time went on, I started getting more and more issues and my symptoms started getting more severe. So at this mm -hmm. point, I was still working at the zoo um, and I was getting scared because I was developing nerve pain that would go from like the side of my face all the way down to my hand and it would go really numb. Um, oh and my goodness. Yeah, it started getting really bad. And then one time after physical therapy, I had like a stroke episode where I was rushed to the ER. Oh my gosh. And again, at the ER, they told me nothing was wrong with me. So I was kind of just left back at home from like square one, just wondering what was going on. Casual, you literally had a stroke. You're experiencing numbness, which again, are signs of a stroke as well too. But oh no, you're perfectly healthy. Yeah. It's fine. Oh, they <laughs> I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated just hearing that. And I can only imagine, again, like the toll on your mental health that that's taking where all you want to do is live your life at a one, but you're constantly living at a 10. And after time, like that is going to weigh on anyone. Yes. And there's a point I honestly started gaslighting myself. Like, mm. you know, all these doctors are saying I'm fine. Am I fine? Like, maybe I'm just dramatic. Maybe I can't like be physical like I used to, I'm just weak. So I started having these thoughts um, mm. from the way that I was treated by doctors. And I had five MRIs in like six months that were all normal. So I was like, well, I must be fine, you know, but um, there was a huge turning point in my diagnostic journey through social media because I kind of stopped going to doctors because they were either pushing injections on me that weren't working or pushing medications that were just having a lot of mm. bad side effects. Um, and it wasn't until I actually follow one of my favorite musicians on Instagram, his name's Porter Robinson, if you've ever heard of him. Um, but I follow his girlfriend and she posted about having a condition called thoracic outlet syndrome. Um, and I reached out to her because the symptoms of that condition matched exactly what I was going through. Thoracic outlet syndrome, it's caused by repetitive motion of your arm. Um, for example, raking <laughs> or shoveling. Gee, yep, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so it can be common for people that work a physical job um, just like that. and. They're constantly using their arm in a specific way. And what it does is it actually co creates compression in your brachial uh, plexus nerve right here in your chest, Yeah, which explained all my nerve pain, um, the stroke-like symptoms. And it also compresses an artery that goes in, um, right to your heart and flows blood to your brain. So it also could explain all the brain fog that was wow. happening too. Yeah, so I've always been somebody that hasn't, 
I'm not like the biggest fan of social media sometimes because it can be a toxic environment, but in my situation, it honestly saved my life. Um, I found all of my diagnostic diagnostics through um, social media and support groups on Facebook. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. (laughs) And again, we always talk on here about how social media is a highlight reel, but when people open up about what they're truly going through and peel back that extra layer, like you said, it can, it can be powerful and connecting. And even I feel like within the medical field, learning access to other doctors that are doing research and things that are being discovered and talked about, like the power of social media and the internet can be used for good. So definitely, that's incredible that you were one, able to find those answers and two, that someone who has a bigger platform took the time to respond to you and help connect you. Yeah. Not only did she respond, she was the nicest person ever. She um, invited me to join this private Facebook group where there were thousands of people going through exactly what I have been going through. Years of no answers, doctor to doctor, just to find out they have this condition that not not many doctors are familiar with or they'll say it's too rare. So um, at that point, I was like not wanting to go to any of my local doctors and say, I think I have this and then get passed around again. So I flew to Boston at Mass General Hospital to see one of the top specialists for thoracic outlet syndrome and I had it. So I was so validated Ah. that I had this condition. but it still didn't explain everything else I had going on. Like why I had knee and hip pain. Is it just a coincidence that the rest of my body is falling apart? Mm. So that was still really confusing to me. Um, I saw on that support group that a lot of people with thoracic outlet syndrome had a condition called EDS or Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. So of course I started Googling that and looking it up and it's, it talks all about hypermobility and being flexible. So I was like, oh my God, this is my entire life. Wow. I've, I couldn't believe it. Um, and I was really nervous to go down that diagnostic journey because I just found answers with thoracic outlet syndrome. So I kind of just like shoved that idea of EDS to the side for a little bit. Um, but the more that I found out about it, the more that I was like, wow, that sounds just like me. Mm. Um, there's a lot of different symptoms with EDS, abnormal scarring, stretchy skin. It really affects your whole body. And I had a doctor that um, just in that whole time frame told me that I had the, the stretchiest skin he had ever seen. So that was really the trigger that sent me to- to a geneticist and I was like okay Alicia you really have to get tested for this because this could be serious so with that whole testing phase again wow so you find out the it's thoracic it's thoracic outlet syndrome which is the compression in my chest yes so you find out through the musician's girlfriend that this is a potential you don't want to go to any local doctors because, again, the stigma of, hey, I found this on WebMD, I'm dying, you, you know, like, yeah. they're like, yeah, no, you can't diagnose yourself. So you find this specialist, you get in there, it's confirmed. 
But then in addition, I'm getting goosebumps right now. You eventually figure out that it's not only that it's something else. What is the process then? You said a geneticist. What was the process of getting diagnosed then with EDS? Yeah. So mine from there, it was pretty easy um, because again, I wasn't willing at this point to go to anybody local. I didn't want to be gaslighted. Um, I had a visit with my primary already scheduled and this is honestly something I'll never forget. And I tell everybody about it because it makes me <laughs> so angry, but I told her, Hey, have you ever heard of Ehlers-Danlos syndrome? Like, I think I have it. I have all the signs. And she told me there's no way you could have EDS. You would have known when you were a kid, you would have been diagnosed by now. Um, so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go back to Google then because I'm going to look for a specialist who specializes in EDS specifically. Wow. Um, yeah, I just, I was, I was done with the medical gaslighting at that point. Well, and also how <sighs> medical, the ability to seek good medical care already in itself is a privilege and you're in your like mid twenties, I assume at this point, 20 years ago, the medical field was different. And while kids these days could be getting diagnosed at early ages with EDS, if it's already a rare disease and it's already so rare that people get it, I don't, ah, that just frustrates me. Like, yes, maybe kids now are getting diagnosed with it, but 20, 25 years ago, maybe not. And Definitely. people slip through the cracks all the time. You're so right. And the issue is too, that it's not really taught in medical school. Um, one of my doctors now who's, who actually specializes in EDS, he told me that in medical school, there was a paragraph about EDS and on um, one of the board exams, the question for EDS was something like, which one of these is a connective tissue disorder? And the answer was like, A, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. So it's not taught in medical mm. school. It's becoming less rare nowadays. And doctors are still being taught that it's incredibly rare. Wow. So there's a lot of misconception about it. And there needs to be a lot more awareness because more and more people these days are having complex issues due to Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Um, and what, how I was diagnosed, there's something called a Baten score. Okay. Um, so there's 13 different types of EDS and one of them does not have a genetic marker yet. So you can't really have like blood work or wow. a saliva test and be tested for that. And that's the hypermobility type. That's what I'm diagnosed with. So instead, of course, they do this, um, the scoring test where they have you like bend your finger backwards, touch your toes in a weird way. Um, it's like a scoring system. And then they ask you if you have other conditions, like have you ever been diagnosed with a mitral valve prolapse? Do you have a condition called postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome? So other conditions that are related to Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which at the time I wasn't diagnosed with any of those, but my geneticist told me that I was textbook EDS, definitely have it scored very high on that scoring system. 
um, and he ordered genetic testing for me to see if I had any of the other types too. I actually tested for a variant of the vascular type of EDS, which is the most is considered the most dangerous. Um, but it's so confusing because since I don't have signs of vascular EDS too, which would be like mm. a spontaneous um, like vascular structure breaking open or something like wow. that. Yeah. Since I haven't had anything like that happen to me yet, that I, I'm not diagnosed with vascular EDS, so I'm still considered hypermobile. So it gets a little bit confusing, um, but I was just happy to have an answer at that point. And I mean, I, I was never happy to have a genetic condition, but just having an explanation for the years of my going down a journey to just find answers was so validating. I think I like celebrated that day, honestly. Oh my goodness. Oh, and you should be so proud for continuing to advocate for yourself and your body and what was going on. I talk about all the time that you're your biggest advocate because only you know what is really going on inside. And Definitely. What a testament to you and your determination and willpower to find someone that would listen to you and know that what you were experiencing was real and was wrong. Yeah, definitely. Mm. So from there, I, I really educated myself on EDS, found a whole new team of doctors. They're all around the country. So I have been traveling the past year with my husband just to find care. It's really unfortunate but um, it, it has changed my medical journey because yeah. I go to specialists that specialize in my conditions who know exactly what's going on. And it, it's been really nice. So with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, it, it weakens your connective tissue because you're born with a fault in your collagen and hmm. collagen and connective tissue make up pretty much your whole body. So your skin, your joints, your ligaments, your heart, your eyeballs. Um, and when they're weak, they get flexible. So that explains why I've been flexible my whole life. Um, and it, people with EDS have something called comorbidities, which is basically a collection of other conditions yeah. caused by the weakened connective tissue. So thoracic outlet syndrome was one of my comorbidities. Um, I have scoliosis, that can be a comorbidity. I have POTS, or it's, it's also called postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. It's a condition where I stand up and I faint. Um, oh. That's Yeah, it's not fun. I've struggled so much with it in the past couple of years, but um, I've had dizziness my whole life, and, and that really explained it. And one of the big comorbidities I've been dealing with is called craniocervical instability, which is why I'm wearing a neck brace now. But the ligaments in my neck, um, in a normal person, they're like ropes where they anchor your head up and your neck can support it. But somebody with EDS, those ligaments can turn into elastic. So nothing's really supporting your neck up. It's really incredibly painful and it creates brainstem compression because your head's at this angle that it's not supposed to be at. Um, and I've had a lot of severe neurologic symptoms in the past mm -hmm. year. 
that was a whole nother journey getting diagnosed with that. Um, but now that I have answers, I've been really trying to just work in physical therapy, strengthen my body and avoid getting a surgery called a cranial cervical fusion, which is where they put screws in your skull and like anchor it down to your neck wow. for stability. So, um, so yeah, EDS can really affect every part of your body. It's not just flexibility. And, and that's where a big misconception with doctors who aren't aware of what it can do to someone's body comes from. They think, oh, you're just flexible and, oh, you just have stretchy skin, but it's so much more than that. Well, and it, it makes sense because the body as a whole is all these puzzle pieces that fit together. And when one is off, it's a chain reaction of things. And I relate to just talking about when my own mental health is off, my body cues me in and lets me know. So I can only imagine when something physically is wrong in your body, the rest of your body is literally compensating for it. And, oh, Alicia, that whole story of getting diagnosed and finally getting your answers and understanding the cards that life has dealt you with all of that. I have a lot of questions. The first (laughs) question though, moving forward, what does treatment look like for you? What does like moving on from here? Yeah. So from here, I feel like I have truly done almost everything that modern medicine has offered me. Um, And I have a great team of doctors who are helping me. But at this point, there's no real solution for my symptoms. And I do deal with severe chronic pain. Mm -hmm. I have been bedridden for almost a year. I'm at the point where I don't leave the house anymore. It's just not worth it. If Mm -hmm. I leave the house, I just go into a really severe flare of neurologic symptoms, pain, It's just horrible. So um, I found a specialized clinic out in Arkansas called the Spiro Clinic, also through social media, of course, (laughs) which is connecting me with amazing people and an amazing supportive community for people that are also dealing with EDS and chronic illnesses. Um, And this clinic is one of a kind. Um, They take a different approach to treating severe chronic pain in conditions like EDS by focusing on the central nervous system. I know that you mentioned a little bit about how mental health has, you know, affected symptoms in your body. And I totally agree with that. Um, Their approach is really focusing on your brain and your body and trying to reset it from the start. Yeah. So I know that with talking with you and reading your posts online, one of your doctors had mentioned to you that certain activities and even situations you were in while working at the zoo and the strenuous job had kind of opened the floodgates, opened Pandora's box for this syndrome that you're dealing with. How did that feel? (laughs) Definitely not good. Um, But I've gone through, you know, accepting the path that my life has gone towards, (laughs) but it's been extremely difficult to be honest. Um, So people with EDS, they can have mild symptoms their whole life. For example, we believe my mom has EDS, but she is super active, healthy, but she does have minor symptoms. 
So there be, can become a point where someone goes through a physical trauma or a mental trauma that your gene for EDS can become expressed. And that's where wow. it's like opening Pandora's box to start having all of those symptoms. So we believe, you know, at the zoo when it was, my team was so short staffed. So we were working really hard and extra hard that my body went through a physical trauma that could have expressed my EDS gene. And that's why all of a sudden I was having a systemic issue in my whole body. And it was like every joint and every organ started failing at once. So it is unfortunate that those things can happen, but I do like to mention this because a lot of people can have genetic conditions and they can be dormant inside their bodies. They can also have conditions like Lyme disease that can be dormant for many, many years until you go through something that really just releases either a viral infection or a genetic condition. Um, and it happens to so many people. There's actually a movie um, called Unrest. It's on Netflix, I believe. Okay. But it's by this wonderful woman, Jen Bria, and she does a documentary very similar to mine. And it's emotional, it's powerful, but it also talks about going through that journey she went through, getting sick all of a sudden because of things that she was going through in her life, um, and then going on social media and connecting with thousands of people who are also bedridden, um, but chatting with each other and going through the same exact thing and how social media led to her diagnosis. She also had cranial cervical instability wow. just like this. Um, so I definitely encourage everyone to watch that documentary. It's amazing. Yeah, um, I will definitely link that down in the episode notes, um, as, along with a multitude of things that we've covered and talked about, just so people can check that out as well, too. And Alicia, it makes so much sense. Again, you were talking about the clinic and how they're focusing on how your mind really matters. And again, trauma can be physical, it can be mental. And again, it all works together in this big puzzle piece for your body. And I think that's so cool that this clinic is taking, even though it might not be modern in the sense, I feel like a lot of medicine should be taking that turn of taking into account your mental health as actual health. And how how exciting. So you found this clinic. Are are we going? How how what what's next? Yeah, so when I first found out about it, I was like, this is too good to be true. You know, they have a high success rate. But I started connecting on Instagram um, with a lot of patients who have graduated from there. And I've watched some of these young ladies go from being in a wheelchair to hiking and running. Um, and it's really inspiring and powerful. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's it's very expensive. I'm trying to raise right now about $60,000 to wow. go. And at first I was like, you know, there's no way we can afford this. But the more I thought about it, there is no price tag to your health and your quality of life. Yeah. So I would give anything just to have some sort of functionality back. I want to go into it with a positive mindset and, and see what can happen. But we are leaving. February 20th to start driving to Arkansas with my wow. um, my dogs and my husband. We have an apartment already. So we'll be there anywhere between probably like three to eight months. It really depends on the individual patient and 
how they do during the program, but I'm hoping to stay as long as I need to feel pain relief yeah. and to get stronger. Um, but they focus on a lot of different treatments. They do things like vagus nerve stimulus, stimulation, oxygen therapy. They also focus on nutrition and allergy testing. So like you said, they treat your body as a whole, which is so important. Yes. Um, and I don't understand all the things they do, but <laughs> if you check out their website, there's a lot of great information and different videos. It's really informative. That's so neat. And again, that you're able to find these places that maybe approach from a different angle. And again, that's what we like to talk about all the time here is just because one way is maybe the trendy or initial way that people are thinking it doesn't mean it's always the right or the best way for you. And so getting creative and finding these other avenues is amazing. And I'm so glad that you were able to find them. How can we who are following along with you listening to this podcast is a way that we can support you because I assume none of this is covered under insurance. Just the way that you're talking about it. You've seen all these specialists, but now you're seeking holistic treatment. And when people typically hear that, they think, yeah, no, that, that sounds like a price tag. So in my mind, I'm already seeing dollar signs. So is there a way that we can help support you in any way throughout this journey? Yeah, so it is a really uncomfortable topic for me because it's not covered under insurance. It's going to cost me about $60,000 mm. to get there. That's what my fundraising goal is right now. And we have to move across the country. We have to rent an apartment. Um, we're taking the dogs with us. So it's going to be this really big journey. My husband also quit his job um, over the fall so that he could be home with me full time taking care of me. He did work at Tampa General Hospital wow. in the ER during COVID. So um, he also needed a little bit of break from that life too. But he, he's he been um, home with me full time now just because I've just lost a lot of function, unfortunately, yeah. over the past probably six months. Um, so we are fundraising. We did start a GoFundMe. But like I said, it has caused a bit of anxiety for me, to be honest, because we're not the type of people that go and ask for help, um, let alone money from anybody. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and then it creates this sense of anxiety. I feel like people are expecting me to get better and heal, when in reality, I'm just looking for something to help me and, and the best opportunity for me to possibly get better. So that's where we're at right now. Um, we're trying to raise $60,000. Um, and yeah, we're, we're reaching a lot of people and not only is it great for, you know, the fundraising aspect, but we, I've seen so many people reading about Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and reaching out to me like, oh, I had no idea about this condition or I didn't know that it could cause all these issues. So, and that itself, it is a way for me to share my story and start spreading awareness. Yes. A lot of people are learning about this. Oh my goodness. And again, I applaud you because like you said, I can imagine it's uncomfortable and awkward and even talking about jobs and workplaces that exasperated it. Like again, it's, it, I can see how it would be taboo, but I'm so proud of you for using your voice and sharing your story because, you know, you could be going through this all on your own, but the fact that you're sharing 
the struggles and what you went through potentially is helping so many people just by either broadening their mindset or by potentially helping someone else get a diagnosis just like you did with social media. And I think that's awesome. Now, yeah, they tell you not to Google your symptoms, but I will say, do it. <laughs> yeah, do it. It it saved my life. Don't go crazy because there's a fine line of going down the rabbit hole. But if it sounds like something you have, then definitely bring it up to a doctor because I think more people, a lot of people rely on doctors to know everything, but the reality is they're human just like mm. us. They have a skill set. And a lot of them, you know, specialize in their their population. So I think, yeah. like, for example, my primary is used to seeing young, healthy people or older people, not someone with a complex medical condition. Um, and, and doctors are just humans. So. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's so important to remember, too, is that we put certain professions up on this pedestal, but yeah. in reality, they're still learning. The medical field is changing. Research is coming out. And so... I think that's very nice of you to put in that. <laughs> now, with all of that being said, again, this is a mental health centered podcast and we've mentioned tidbits about your anxiety and your mental health and how all of that plays a factor. How is it living with this chronic condition and your mental health? Because I can make assumptions about what you go through and what potentially people say, or even when you said you would leave the house looks you would get just because you are in a neck brace. How has dealing with all of that been? It's been so difficult Mm. to be completely transparent. Um, It's, it was really bad in the beginning, um, especially when I didn't know my diagnosis, but then when I was finally diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, that condition is a spectrum disorder. So people can have it mild, they can have it severe. Mine started off what I thought was mild, but turned into severe in a very short amount of time. Mm. And um, I was in a dark place this summer, not only for my mental health, but just overall, I was so sick. I mean, I was being spoon fed My mom, she moved down from Boston just to live with my husband and I so that we could have more than one person taking care of me. I couldn't walk. I would go days without being able to talk. Um, So imagine like my mental health just took a toll because I didn't want to live that life anymore. You know, everybody has this idea of what their life is growing up. Um, and their goals and mine all just went down the trash. I, you know, found out I'll never have kids. I'll never be able to probably work a job for the rest of my life, which me five years ago might be like, that's amazing. But yeah, (laughs) you are living the fact that you can't work anymore. It is really awful. Mm -hmm. Um, so I really struggled mentally. And there was, I mean, there was weeks I just like cried every day, but honestly, that is what I needed to go through the phase of acceptance um, and grieving my past life. You know, this, this might be a little morbid, but I never thought about death in my whole life. It was just a topic where I thought like, oh, when I'm a hundred years old, then I'll die peacefully in my bed. 
but <laughs> and like when I would you know when someone I, I knew passed away I would really just like mentally disconnect I wouldn't mm. think about what happened and it wasn't until I got really sick that I was like wow I could actually die like this is natural and going through that mentally in my head helped me so much sounds weird but I started to accept you know I'm sick I'm disabled you know I could die at any point these are realities of my condition but that's okay you know I'm still gonna live every day my best I'm gonna try and get better but if I don't get better that's okay too wow. um, and it wasn't until I would say a turning point maybe around September that my mental health went from the worst to probably the best it's ever been. Um, it has a big part to do with my support system. Like I said, my husband quit his job to stay home and take care of me. Like he is one of a kind mm. um, and has done everything alongside me to encourage me and, and let me know like he loves me no matter what. Um, but it, it has been a struggle because now that I've accepted that I'm disabled, a lot of other people haven't around me. And that can be kind of awkward. Um, you mentioned like wearing my neck brace. Yeah. I also use a walker because I have some mobility issues. So when I go food shopping, I, I use my walker so that I can sit and have breaks. But I'll have strangers come up to me and it, it just blows my mind because I would never go up to a stranger that was struggling with their health obviously and people will be like hey what'd you get in a car accident um uh, and <laughs> um none of your business thank you goodbye <laughs> yeah it happens to me all the time amanda and uh, like i said i, I never would have thought this <laughs> this sort of stuff happens in real life but um it really opened my eyes to how society does not accept disabilities mm. these days in 2022 we have so far to go i was at a gas station recently in my neck brace and like a dude like pokes my shoulder and he was like hey what happened to you like just like that and um hey pardon? covid get away from me don't touch me and b exactly. excuse me <laughs> so i guess what I'm trying to do in my mindset is, okay, I'm going to educate these people about EDS because here's my opportunity. So I, I always tell people, hey, I have Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome and it's a genetic connective tissue disorder. And from there, they're usually really awkward, like, oh, I probably shouldn't have said something. Um, but I also, another example, I was at the doctor's recently and a nurse in the elevator said the same thing. She was like, hey, what were you in a ski accident? And I was just like, no, lady, I have Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Um, and, and immediately you can tell, like, the uncomfortability, yeah. how uncomfortable they are, just the fact that they made that comment to me. But, yeah, it's it's mind-blowing. Some of the other comments I get um, from just ableist comments, I'll get, you're too young to have these issues, stuff like that. Um, people say you know, at least you still look good. And yeah, I get that all the time. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's like, I'm disabled. I'm not, I never said I was ugly. So right. it's interesting and to me. Just to show like that goes to show what media and people's image that they put in their brain of what they 
think someone with a disability looks like. And exactly. that already is systemic in it's, that. Yeah, oh. I mean, we could talk for hours about that because having an invisible illness is really difficult because people see me looking healthy and they're like, oh, she's, you know, exaggerating. She just doesn't know how to deal with pain. Um, or, you know, like I mentioned, spectrum disorder. I have really bad days or really good days. Maybe one day I take extra pain medication so I don't seem like I'm in that much pain. And then people assume that I'm like better. So that's just really hard. I would say that's one of the hardest things I've dealt with. Um, in addition to that, you know, everyone reaches out to me and suggests stuff like yoga, meditation, CBD, um, all these different things. Have you tried this? Have you tried that? And I know it's all coming from a really good place, but it's hard to explain to others. You know, I've tried everything and I'm sure there's a lot of like toxic positivity too. Like, Oh, just keep it up. Stay positive and keep your mind right. And you're just like, yeah, but no. Yeah. I have uh, (laughs) definitely a lot of toxic positivity conversations that come up, honestly, um, probably every day, just from friends and family members. Um, people will say different things like everything happens for a reason. If I have a positive mindset, it can change everything. Uh, One of my least favorite ones is it could be worse um, because of course it could be worse. Excuse me. Excuse me. Ah. I'm getting heated, Alicia. (laughs) Yeah, I know. This is, this is a heated conversation sometimes. Um, Somebody in my family also recently compared the pain I deal with to an injury they had when they were probably like 40 years ago. And the fact that they still deal with chronic pain from that injury. Um, And I just, I think that people should never compare your pain to someone else's. And I don't compare my pain to someone else's either. Like if, if you break your finger and you're suffering, like that's a, I'm sorry that you're struggling. That hurts too. I never think like my pain is worse than someone else's because everybody interprets things differently. So yes. um, One thing that my therapist always says is it's not the trauma Olympics and you, you cannot make yourself feel bad because someone else has it worse, but also you can't make other people feel bad because maybe you think you have it worse again everyone is struggling with outward battles and inward battles. And that doesn't make anyone's battles or trauma or illnesses any less valid or real. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. Another one that I personally struggle with this one a lot. And I've talked to a lot of people in the chronic illness community that also struggle with this um, is people using religion to justify things. Mm. I know it comes from a good place and I know people make comments, including religion, because they care and they love me, but there are certain things that sometimes it's hard for me to deal with. And I'll give you a couple examples. People will say things to me like, um, God will heal me um, and miracles can happen, or this is what God wanted for me, which the reason it's hard for me Number one, I'm not religious, mm-hmm. but besides that, I've gone through so much mentally to accept my disability. 
to accept the science of Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and what has happened in my body and how to move forward, that when people make comments like, you know, this is what God wanted, or there's going to be a miracle for me, it kind of dismisses my acceptance, if that makes sense. Everything I've gone through to this point, and then people just saying that, you know, it's all in the hands of God at this point. So I try and not let it get to me too much, um, but those are definitely some trigger ones for me. Yeah, it's completely understandable. And again, I'm so sorry that you have been through what you've been through and that you're still dealing with it. And I think it's good. Thank you for sharing because I think it's very eye-opening to a lot of people listening and even myself that while you might mean well, it is not always received that way. And I think that is why it's so great to be an intentional friend, an intentional active listener and asking your loved one or friend, hey, how can I support you? How can I be there for you? And letting them tell you what they need instead of shoving Mm -hmm. your own beliefs and opinions on them. Yep. I definitely agree. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Wow. 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 Alicia so much. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for your time and all of this. I would love to give you an opportunity to give advice to anyone listening that maybe has been listening and thinks, Oh, that sounds like maybe something I'm going through or a loved one or a friend that I have, someone who's in your position, or maybe even something you wish you would have heard when you were going through all of this years ago. Um, I'd love to give you the mic for that. Thank you. So um, I definitely would say, as we mentioned, if you feel like something's wrong with your body, there is, you know, you know yourself best and the doctors say nothing's wrong and you think otherwise, keep looking into it. There's a ton of support groups online for chronic illnesses. Um, So I would just encourage people to keep looking into their issues. And other than that, I mean, it sounds cliche, but I said that wrong. Cliche, cliche, cliche. cliche. It sounds exotic the way you said it. Yeah, cliche. (laughs) But honestly, just like like people say, enjoy every moment. Um, Truly enjoy every moment because we're all human and susceptible to medical conditions, and everyone's life could change at every moment. So, other than that, if if you do ever become chronically ill or disabled, just know that your life's not over. It can still be so beautiful. It can be filled with happiness and love. Um, And there's a whole amazing community out there that is accepting um, and so supportive. So I I don't think anything at this point can stop me from being happy. You know, I've I've been through a whole turmoil Mm. of being chronically ill and suffering near-death experiences over and over in the past year. So I really feel like going through that has made me stronger and has also awoken me to so many issues going on in the world um, and allowed me to be so empathetic to people in a way that I didn't even know it was possible. I look back at my old self and I'm like, oh my God, who was I? (laughs) I just, I was just selfish and, you know, but it, I feel like it's changed me for the better and made me just 
a good person. Wow. Even listen, even listening to you just then, again, you've been through these incredibly painful and challenging things. And here you are talking about how it has made you a more empathetic person and you want to help other people. Just mind blown, Alicia. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing. I am so grateful for you to be opening up about your story for educating us and just sharing more so that people can understand what's going on in the world around them and have their mind opened in more ways than one in this conversation. Definitely. Thank you so much, Amanda. Yay! And I'm on the roll. Thank you for listening to yet another amazing conversation started here on Sunshine and Rainbows podcast. Each week, I'm quite literally blown away by the voices and stories shared here. The goal is to amplify others' experiences in hopes that someone listening out there feels that much less alone. Thank you again to our incredible guests for getting so vulnerable with us about their own personal stories and for helping each of us remember to look at a situation with a new perspective. If you love this episode or any previous one, I hope you'll take a second to share it to a bestie or even tell us on social media. It really does make a difference in helping us get these conversations out there to the world. If you'd like to share your own story with our audience about how you've overcome something in your life or maybe want to start an important conversation that needs to be heard, please send us an email at hello at Stay colorful and we'll see you next week, besties.